Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. Uh, and I got uh, uh, Buko movies to talk about, movies galore here to talk about. Um, so I'm going to jump right in with a movie that I uh, was sad that I missed. It played, I think, like Beyond Fest or something last uh, uh, last fall. Um and then I know friend of the show, well, friend of the show, editor at large, Scott and I was a big fan. Um, and so I finally caught up with Nasha Dekrasova's The Scary of 61st, uh, which uh, is the most uh, jaw-dropping like horror movie of the year. Not in the way that like malignant is trying to be like sure oh this is like a crazy thing this is crazy in the sense that i can't believe they made a movie about this because i think i went in i try to know that once i decide that i'm interested in a movie from that point on i try to learn as little bit as little about it as possible other than like how i can watch it Uh, and so i had been i had gotten the incorrect uh impression okay that the scary of 61st was a movie that is in some way inspired by a horror movie in some way inspired by the jeffrey epstein case okay no it is specifically a movie in which two young women rent an apartment uh, a cheap small apartment on the upper east side and then a like conspiracy theorist like investigative like investigative hound shows up and tells them Jeffrey Epstein used to used to own this apartment and it is where he kept his like sex slaves. Oh. And so one of the girls becomes obsessed with like becomes friends with this conspiracy theorist and spends the entire movie like trying to find out all like uncover things about um uh Jeffrey Epstein there's like there's like Google earth images of little St. James. And there's like, there's a whole part where it was like darkly funny too. It feels a little crass. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yes. And there's also a whole part where this girl and the investigative girl who's played by the director, Dash Nekrasova, um, they spend like, uh, like 10 minutes following around this woman that they think is Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, and then like they follow wow. her to the bank the bank and then she turns around and it's like so clearly not her she just like had that short black haircut so that's what mm. happens to the one girl and that's kind of the like funny almost like satirizing like um uh, uh the kind of people who become obsessed with this kind of 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 stuff is it, like it becomes their personality like obsessing over these kind of conspiracies or whatever the other girl the other young woman and this is where the movie verges into in a good, like in a good way for me, pure like provocation. Okay. The other girl gets possessed by, I don't know, the spirit of perhaps a like sexually routinely sexually molested 13 year old girl. Okay. And so, yeah, there's so much like the movie it's it's not it's i would definitely like describe it as a horror movie it's not scary there are definitely some intense 
parts, but there's also a lot of comedy and it's, I, I feel like it's, it's skirting the edge of that, like internet, like nothing matters. Cause everything's a joke type of like sure. tone. Sure. Um, and uh, I don't like that sort of thing, um, mostly because it's usually not very funny. Like that's that sort of like, are you mad? What are you like? It's just a joke. You mad, bro? That sort of like right. uh, uh, thing. I don't like that because the jokes usually aren't funny. Uh, but I do think that this movie is. I don't know that I would look to this movie as an authority on anything, but as a sure. as a symptom of the time, it's really fascinating and as a movie that's willing to take on something that is very much in the culture war in the news in the the political spectrum and not have arrived already with a resolution and answer to how you're supposed to feel about it. it this is not a movie that's telling you how to feel about I mean, I, no one's really conflicted on how to feel right. about Jeffrey Epstein, but it's like telling, like, this is not a movie that's telling you how to feel about the people who are convinced that the Clintons had sure. Jeffrey Epstein. Sure. Uh, uh, like, I think there are people who might watch this wanting it to be like mocking the people who think, right. of, who, who, who think that um, Jeffrey Epstein is involved in the like left wing deep state conspiracy. It doesn't mock them. It also doesn't approve of them. It's right. just. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating provocation, and also I I won't like I mentioned malignant before, and I like malignant has I think even more been more diminished in my viewpoint by watching the scary of sixty first because there is I can't say what it is because it's too big a moment. There is a moment in the scary of sixty first that made me go holy shit! I can't <laughs> believe they did this oh, uh, in a, in a movie. Uh, way more than anything in *Malignant* did. Okay. All right. So. All right. Um, yeah, very excited about that. Uh, and I'm also bummed. I'm, I don't mean to be like angry. I got an email when this movie because it was shot on film. Okay. And um, I, I I got an email. I'm mad at the publicist, but I'm also mad at myself for not doing more research. I got an email back when this was playing at like the Los Feliz three as part of, I think it was part of beyond fest. Maybe it was the arrow. Anyway, I, I think it was Los Feliz. Anyway, um, people outside of Los Angeles, like who fucking cares? Yeah. Uh, anyway, and I got an email saying that this movie's showing on, on 35 millimeter. I didn't know anything about it, but they were like, do you want, we can reserve a ticket for you if you want it and you want to see it and, and review it. And I was like, absolutely. I would love to. And then, never heard back mm. and ended up making other plans. And like the day of the screening, the publicist was like, Oh, David, I'm so sorry. I never got back to you. We have a ticket now. And I was like, uh, well, I have other plans now, but I wish, yeah. I wish I'd known what the movie was and I would have gone out of my way to see it either then, or just seen it paid to see it when it played theatrically. Right. On the, I'm sad. I'm, I'm mad at myself that I missed it on 35 millimeter. Um, because there's something to be said for, you know, I talked about last week, I talked about that movie, um, also a very low budget um, uh, independent 
film called the second age of Aquarius, which I liked that movie too, but it like its budget shows. And I think it's budget shows all the more because it's so digital looking. Yeah. Whereas scary 61st is also like a low budget and often very amateurish movie, but there's something about the texture of shooting on 35 that makes it, yeah. it adds like production value to the movie. Um, hmm. That you, that was even visible, even seeing the, you know, streaming the, Pro HD ProRes or whatever I was yeah. watching on on Vudu. All right, so uh, I can't spend this that long on all of these movies, um, and I won't spend that long on the next one. The next one is a French action thriller called Sentinelle, starring Olga Kurilenko. Oh, okay. um, and it is kind of like I, I like that these movies are still getting made. And they show up. I talked a few weeks ago about Hell Hath No Fury, which was that World War Two like action thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like that there's still uh, uh, people churning out these competently made, but pretty, you know, predictable, basically direct to DVD type fare. But now sure. it's like uh, it, it's it's streaming. Um, and Sentinel is Olga Korolenko plays a member of the French military who is on patrol in unnamed middle eastern country and something goes wrong and she has like P- ptsd and she's um called back to france and then france and then assigned sentinel duty which um i don't know was the last time you were in france uh tyler but i remember in 2019 being in in paris with my wife and it being weird because we don't really see this in in the u.s we see obviously cops on patrol but right. like we were at momart and like in like the plaza there's just like dudes full fatigues boots like um uh semi-automatic rifles you know what i'm saying assault rifles yeah. whatever you want to call it just like patrolling and we don't have that kind of like military patrol in the u.s and they have that in france this is not what the movie's about it's just like that's what she gets assigned to and the, just the fact that that exists is a yeah. like a weird thing for Americans maybe, but that's not really the point. The point is while she's on that duty, something else happens and she, it's, you know, she has to like avenge somebody. And so it's becomes an action movie of like one woman against a whole, you know, corrupt system. Sure. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's fine. I assume it's, the system wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it, it's fine. It does have, I, I will admit some very beautiful shots, including a fantastic final shot of the movie that I won't um, uh, won't, won't ruin. But um, it, I, I like that there's this kind of, uh, you know, there was a time maybe like ten years ago it became the 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 topic of vulgar auteurism became like uh, uh, in vogue and, and to to talk about, and I feel like people were often in that case they were talking about like big budget tentpole filmmakers who like, right. like your, your Michael Bay's and your Zack Snyder's and stuff who bring their own like stamp to these, these movies that are mainstream entertainments. But I think, I feel like there's also a lot of um, what, what maybe still gets overlooked is the fact that there are people making um, uh, really like interestingly cinematic films in in places that are even considered even more disreputable to the uh, the 
middle brow literati, you know, cognoscenti type uh, than than a Transformers movie would. It's something that's so disposable, and someone is. Uh, I'm not saying Sentinel is great, but like, it's also not phoned in in any way. It's it's a it's a cool little movie. It's not as good. And right, I, I, last year, well, last now two years ago, but we're still talking. Like, I feel like until the Oscars, it's still 2021. Sure. That's how my mind always works. So yeah. in 2020, we had the movie Alone, uh, directed by John Hyams. Uh, and that was a, that's a great movie. I think it, it made my through the cracks list mm. um, last year. And that's the sort of thing. It's like a uh, red box rental, you know, for, for, for dads or whatever, but uh, um, it's, it's, it's cool. So yeah, Sentinel worth your time. If you like this specific genre, or if you like Olga Korolenko, because yeah, obviously she's quite beautiful mm-hmm. uh, and she's good in the movie yeah uh, all right uh and then finally i watched the movie that i need to post a review uh for and be behind because um work has been crazy the last few weeks actually uh, uh a um a new restoration of a 1967 french i guess uh wacky sci-fi satire uh cold war paranoia movie called the unknown man of Chandigore. And it's basically about a, it feels in this way, it feels very strange love inspired that it's about a wheelchair bound eccentric scientist who has invented a new um, atomic device. Um, Except this device has the ability to neutralize atomic weapons when aimed at them or where we don't really get the details of how it works. Uh, And, so every like KGB, CIA, you know, every like country's intelligence agency wants to get their hands on this thing. Um, but he's like such a recluse and has so like booby trapped his castle that there's no getting to him. So they go after his daughter and his assistant. So uh, it's um, basically just a very, sometimes very like strange, but often very like, cool looking uh um sci-fi comedy uh in which and here's the my only i don't know if this is a complaint this is we've talked before about how uh in in american movies at least and i guess this is true in france too there was a time when like everyone when even when a the movie took place internationally. Everyone just spoke English. Like, yeah, the, yeah. it wasn't until like the maybe like late eighties, maybe that we started being like, uh, no, the, the bad guys who are from this country have to speak this language. Sure. Um, I feel here, like maybe so, even the nineties, but yeah. Yeah. So, but so here you've got a French movie, everyone speaks French. So I kept forgetting which team, like, are those the Russians and those the Americans? I kept <laughs> sure. forgetting which like group of, of like uh, uh, overzealous idiots who are bumbling around trying to kill or can't capture these people, uh, which country each of them represented. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it feels like a mix between a like uh, Vincent Price mad scientist horror movie and a Dr. Strangelove satire, but then it's also get this like spy element that's that's very bond which would have been all these things that would have been in the mix in the ether in Mm. in the 60s uh but um executed with uh 
some really like cool uh arch cinematography there's a lot of like high angles and low angles and wide angle lenses and 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 that sort of stuff and also some like crude but very gruesome effects when the uh the scientists when people get caught in the scientist booby traps which usually have to do with like gas that eats their skin off or whatever it's like uh it's like weird and funny but also like surprisingly gross sure uh so anyway, that's the unknown man of shendigor um which i think you can you'll be able to find soon if not now uh i think you are up next i, I am i, 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 I get to take a break yes i only saw one movie uh this week because it was a very busy week and uh I wound up. I also I wound up guesting on a lot of podcasts this week, and that wound up eating right. up you a lot of time. You talked Cyrano on our uh, our friend Aaron and Abe's uh, Out Now podcast. I did, and uh, that was tremendous fun. Um, Any that show is always to fun talk, to be on. It is, yeah. uh, and I forget how many. This is both positive and negative. I forget how many segments there are. And so I'm just like, right. Okay. Yes. There's this one. And I'm like, Oh shit games. Uh, I'm not ready for this. Um, and so, uh, you know, they keep you on your toes. Um, but, uh, but I did, I did see one movie that I saw this afternoon and it is Matt Reeves, the Batman. Um, oh, okay. So it's tough. Cause I can't talk in any spoilers at all because no one will have seen it at this point uh, unless they went to the, or I went to the earliest show I could go to, which was 3 PM on Thursday. Um, so even though the, it comes out tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah. Officially. I mean, they're, you know, they always it have doesn't these, mean anything these things anymore. It doesn't, it really like part of me is just like, why are you st- Why three? Why not noon? What the hell? Why not last week? Just release it whenever release yeah. it when you think of it. Um, yeah. But uh so I went to, I, I, I'm for various reasons. I was like, Oh, there's, I need to see it by this weekend. Um, and I was excited to see it as well. Uh, there was enough hype around it and, and I think it benefits from some very good trailers and stuff. And, uh, so I would say I really, really liked it. Oh, okay. And I liked it more after it, uh, after it was over and I had the chance to think about it because they're doing some really interesting things with the character of Batman and helping to define who he is versus a, a hero, like say the Punisher. Um, you know, we've already heard about like Batman, like, well, he doesn't kill, he doesn't use guns. Okay. That we, we know that, but it's, it's over the course of the film, we see, because it's early in his Batman career. And over the course of this film, we see him start to sharpen and develop and focus his philosophy. And it's so fascinating uh, to watch that develop because in, in the film, you know, cause he's a vigilante and then the Riddler in the movie, who I'll get to in a minute uh, is also a, a type of vigilante, but, one that is much more lethal and and that sort of thing. Um, And so it's easy to say, to say like, Oh, we're, we're not so different. You and I it's, but what I like is that, and the film does explore that, but what I like is that the film actually is exploring it like from the word go stylistically there are like the, the first scene is essentially Riddler uh, uh, surveying, surveilling, 
um, somebody like looking through binoculars and stuff. And then he shows up uh, in that place. And then later on, we see like we see looking through binoculars into an apartment and we realize it's Batman that's doing that. Mm. And he also shows up uh, without anybody noticing. And there are a few other examples of that that are just nobody calls attention to it. It's just for us. And it's just like, yeah, if you without some of the things that Batman believes and and has to put into practice without that, um, there really isn't that much difference. And I like that the film takes its time and then it handles that pretty subtly. Um, and I think, and I, I saw, uh, I saw like a Dol- I saw it in with like Dolby sound. So like my chair was rattling at times and, uh, I, what was it? It's called Dolby Atmos. Okay. Yes. Uh, they had a big ad for it, uh, at, before it actually, it's like you made your sale. I'm here in the theater. Um, but uh, like, I think, I think it's a very well shot film. I think really, really solid sound, really nice sense of atmosphere. Uh, Michael Giacchino's score is marvelous. It's like appropriately bombastic in certain ways. Um, I really like what they do with the character of Batman, that he is, this is going to sound weird, He's completely uncharismatic. There's no real sense of theatricality to him yet. Um, he he just kind of shows up and does his thing. And I think Pattinson really commits to that and doesn't try to layer on too much humanity. Instead, he plays him as like, yeah, he it's still pretty early. He is still defined solely by loss and anger. And he has no time for anything else. And that is risky. That's a risky choice from a writing standpoint, from an acting standpoint. Um, and the film just, it just goes in some directions. I wasn't expecting it to tonally and thematically. Um, so of course that brings us to Riddler. Uh, and I think he's well played by, by Paul Dano. They, they do. T- this is something we talked about on, on uh, Patreon recently, which is like, you know, the, the design of the character is different. His motivations are different. His methods are different. And so after a certain point, is he even really the Riddler anymore? And I think they do incorporate enough things because with Riddler, it's always like, yes, here's the Riddler. Here's the riddle I'm giving you, but it's going to tie into the one I gave you last time and not in the way that you think. And the way they so the way he operates as far as the riddles and and the larger questions he's asking um that i think is is where the character starts to feel a little familiar to me and uh so yeah it's it's not necessarily the riddler i like the egotistical uh kind of guy who's trying to prove something about himself to other people there are shades of that i would have liked them to go more in that in that direction, just because I like that aspect to the character, but, um, but they still do some interesting stuff with him. And, uh, and Colin Farrell is absolutely unrecognizable. Like the, the makeup job makes him look like a completely different person as the penguin and his performance is delightful. Um, and, uh, by and large, yeah, I, I really liked it. I'd read, I, sorry, I hadn't read any reviews, but I glanced a couple things here and there. Some people really hate it. Uh, most people seem to like it. And so I went in with my guard up a little bit uh, and uh, yeah, the film uh, convinced me and, and I, uh, I highly recommend it. Did you see what, what uh, where, where'd you see it? 
I have the I I've got the AMC membership, so I just went to the AMC uh, promenade in Woodland Hills. Okay, so what time was what time did the movie start? According oh, good to Lord. The start, According to the start time, uh, officially three o'clock. So, what time did you leave the theater? Like six thirty? Well, I didn't wait until I did. If I had waited until the credits were done, it probably would have been about six thirty. Yeah, it was like yeah. six twenty-five. And this is a movie that is not actually three hours. Um, it's bullshit. they have so that. Look, I get it. It's a big blockbuster. There's going to be, and it's a giant chain. They're going to have a lot of trailers, but man. After a while, it's like, geez, yeah. I don't know. It's it's like all the trailers eventually run together, and it's hard to be excited for any one of them. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, um, moving on to a different movie from The Batman. Um, Another movie that is, uh, I guess, being restored, although the screening link that I got warned me that it was the uh, like the work in progress it was not the fully okay. restored uh version but it is a 1986 film by director nina menkes called magdalena viraga and i've seen one nina menkes film before um as of today i have now seen three which is a little tease for something that's coming up later in this episode uh, but this is the second one that i've seen and i'm getting the sense so i i understand what uh and I, she had a new one that played Sundance that I, I obviously haven't seen because it didn't cover Sundance this year. But um, I'm getting a sense of what her thing is, which is that she uh, casts her sister as a mostly loner woman who um, survives or deals with um, the violence of the male world or the sexual violence in the male world um through her stoicism and through friendships that seems to be uh, what's going on. the other one i had seen is called queen of diamonds um which uh, then they all uh all the three movies i have seen take place in different uh different places but um queen of diamonds takes place in las vegas and it's about a uh blackjack dealer uh this one magdalena varaga takes place in los angeles and it's about a uh a prostitute who has been arrested for the murder of one of her Johns, but the movie is completely out of chronological order. So you see a lot of shots of her working as a prostitute. You see a lot of shots of the police investigating this very bloody dead body in the uh, room at the hotel. You see her in jail, like talking through to her only friend, another, another, another prostitute. Um, uh and and it sort of all comes together uh by the end but um there's something about nina makes as a filmmaker where you know sometimes when we talk about like cinema and like art house cinema and, and and meaningful cinema we're talking about big ideas but sometimes there's something to be said for very like simplistic truths and then using cinema to 
to to get to the heart of them. So like, there's not a lot of complexity to what um, Magdalena Varaga is saying about the 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 vulnerable life of a prostitute and the way that a prostitute. Um, I feel like I should be saying sex worker. Um, sure. But um, the way that someone in this line of work is necessarily treated as an object by the 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 transactional nature of the of the work right. but every sex worker is a person um and so seeing that like that divide of of seeing her like out of necessity submit to becoming to being a tool for someone else's to for someone else to achieve an end um but also seeing her confide in or being more often being supported by a friend there's a repeated use of the term sisters even though they're not sisters um uh biologically uh there so there's and and nina Mackey's filmmaking is just like there's a rhythm to it that is like methodical but also entrancing um there's not she's not being showy very often there is one shot that makes the films like a uh, uh, key art where um, the main one played by T- Tinka Menkes, Nina Menkes sister and her friend, her quote unquote sister, who's not a real sister are sitting at like a, an indoor pool, like a YMCA or something um, and, and talking. And then when we cut back to the scene, it's the same scene, but they're both, they both have like angel wings. It's the only part of the movie that is really like um, that, that, that becomes something What's what I'm looking for? Um, uh, not verite, like you know, sure. um, some sort of uh, fantastical, maybe is the word I'm okay. looking for. But other than that, it's a very straightforward movie. But I, I, I find the power of her films uh, un, undeniable. Uh, all right, so I move on to another movie that comes out at some point this month. I think that uh, played Sundance. And that I had read some positive reviews about, but I, uh, I'm afraid I don't agree. Um, the movie is called Fresh. It's directed okay. by Mimi Cave. Um, and it's, I have to uh, um, be careful about because the movie, like, is, the movie is cagey about what is happening but in a way that is feels very self-conscious and obvious, but yeah. also in the way that it's more interesting, the marketing has been less like cagey. So I'm not sure what it's okay for me to say, but basically uh, Daisy Edgar Jones is the star and she's a, uh, a young, a, a woman in Portland who's had, who has trouble dating. We see the opening scene is her on a bad date. And do you remember, I don't remember if it was the last movie journal or a couple movie journals ago. And I talked about the movie after Yang I talk, talk about this actor Brett Dyer or Brett Deer, who shows up as kind of like a futuristic version of like an Apple genius for one scene, and so in the opening scene of Fresh, it's this guy again. This guy's a one scene wonder. He's hmm. like you want him, you want somebody to come in and be kind of like uh, an uh, obnoxious but laughable prick uh, for one scene in your movie and really liven things up. Apparently this Brett Deer or Brett Dyer guy is, is the way to go. Um, but anyway, so she's uh, unlucky in, 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 in dating or um, I think the movie would argue she's not unlucky so much as um, 
app-based dating has maybe encouraged some of the worst uh, male impulses to treat. Like I just got talk got done talking about um, a sex worker's relationship with men as being transactional. Um, the, this movie would argue that that uh, things like Tinder and, and whatnot and app-based dating has allowed all men to treat like dating as uh, a transaction. I don't know. I, I wish I could get more behind the movie's arguments because I feel like they're so blunt and so ham-fisted to the point where when we, she then has after like this you know terrible date to, you know and, and we see like other like conversations she's having on apps with men then she has like a meet cute at the grocery store the guy played by sebastian stan and it's like clearly the movie wants us to be like oh this is what she's been looking for this charming guy right. but also it's so clear that this guy's trouble because i've seen a movie before you know <laughs> that like I, I, like and, and that's what like that's what bothered me a lot about the movie is is it I feel like Mimi Cave, I think she thinks she's wowing us or taking us to places that we haven't been before when it's mostly very telegraphed. The specifics of what Sebastian Stan's Stan's character, the way in which he's a bad guy, uh, is is specific. Um, But even that sort of gets old. Uh, 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 eventually, and I, I just found myself. There are parts because it, it, it's essentially a horror movie, and there are parts in the horror and in the gore and violence that comes later that I thought were like well executed and uh, exciting or thrilling or disgusting in whichever ways they're supposed to be. Uh, I did like some of those things, but it just feels. Um, like it's not worth the trip to get to it because it's hmm. um, it's it just se- it seems too too familiar. Okay. Uh, all right, so then I will end by talking about the other Nina Menke's film I watched, which I just watched last night. It's called The Bloody Child, and this one is so Queen of Diamonds, as I mentioned before, um, which I saw years ago, is Las Vegas. Magdalena Varaga is is. Uh, uh, Los Angeles. This takes place on and around a like marine base somewhere in the desert. Um, and uh, again, like with Magdalena Varaga, there's a story, but it's told all out, out of order. But the basic basic story is that a marine who lives on this base has we don't see it actually happen. We see the aftermath, but he has killed his wife. We don't know how. Um, and then he is attempted is attempting to bury her body out in the desert when he is discovered by other Marines and he is, you know, the ambulance comes and he's detained and questioned and taken to, to prison. A lot of the movie takes place with just the guy's been caught. He's like covered in his wife's blood. He's in the backseat of the car and the other Marines, including Tinka Menkes, again, as uh um, as one of the Marines are just sort of standing around on the highway, like chatting, waiting for this guy to get picked up or processed. That seems to be a, that's a huge part of the movie for mm-hmm. is like, is, is just them chatting, but then also, you know, make his cuts it into things that we're not sure. Is this later? Is this earlier of just like taking character, you know, getting hit on in a bar or, 
um having a like t- chatting with a one night stand the morning after or whatever and we don't know when in the timeline these things are are are, are taking place but once again you've got this 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 woman who is um she's not at no point in this movie is she threatened the way that she is in in Magdalena Varaga Tinkamegi's character is um but she's constantly you know she's a marine but she's constantly surrounded by men who are like a foot and a half taller right. and probably a foot and a half wider than her too just yeah. like these huge uh uh hulking men and she's just like the uh, elevator scene of uh silence of the land yes yes that's a big uh, a big part of it but she's just holding her own you see uh, it's it's a uh i think it, you could see it as see it as a story of just day-to-day survival on Tinkamaki's character's part in a place where um, survival itself is not a uh, super, it's it's not the most desirable outcome. It's just the baseline, but sometimes it's maybe all you can ask for if the alternative is being beaten to death by your husband and buried out in the desert. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I've decided I'm a Nina Mankey's fan having seen three of her films. Now the one review I read of her new film that played at Sundance was not a positive review. So I'm uh, now curious to see, um, I think it was called brainwashed or something. I can't remember, but film comment didn't like it. So um, now I'm definitely curious to see that and see what I think of it. Uh-huh. 